Welcome to the Finger Lakes Geriatric Education Center's Promoting Pain Self-Management Program. My name is Katherine Beisner, and I'm a physical therapist working in the area of geriatric pain management. The strategies that will be presented here are based upon programs offered in a variety of settings with adults with a number of different pain complaints. Our goal is to prepare nurses, physical and occupational therapists, and other healthcare providers to teach their patients pain self-management techniques. These podcasts are intended to help you understand the cognitive behavioral strategies and to get you started teaching these strategies to your patients. Downloadable patient handouts are available for your use. This is the first in a series of six sessions in the program. This session focuses on the rationale for the program and basic information that patients should learn about pain. Subsequent sessions will address specific strategies, like goal setting and relaxation, that patients can use to manage their pain. Let's begin with the rationale for the program. Of course, in an ideal world, none of us would have pain, or if we did, the pain would be easily managed with a medication that produced no undesirable side effects. The fact is, many older adults have pain that interferes with their ability to do regular activities like self-care, shopping, cooking, and leisure activities. Medication management for older adults is difficult because many older adults have one or more comorbid chronic conditions. This limits pharmaceutical options, and for many patients, the adverse side effects are so problematic that they don't adhere to the physician's orders and take medications only when they can't bear the pain any longer. This brings on more problems because people with pain usually decrease their activity levels. This is especially true if it hurts to move. If decreased activity goes on for a long time, it results in decreased strength, endurance, and flexibility. This in turn makes one more susceptible to injury, resulting in more pain, limited activity, and so on. Another problem with pain that is not readily resolved is that it has a psychological impact. Some people with ongoing pain problems experience sadness and despair or anxiety about their pain, further contributing to their stress and discomfort level. Pain also has social impacts, since being in pain may strain relationships and makes participating in social activities more difficult. Loneliness and isolation are all too common for older adults who have pain, particularly when pain has persisted for an extended period of time. This program addresses the multidimensional nature of pain using a self-management approach. This is an important concept that patients must understand. There are limits to what healthcare providers can do to reduce a person's pain. A surgical procedure may help some people, but sometimes there is still pain after surgery. Appropriate use of medications is important, but often that's simply not enough. A massage may feel good for a while, but those effects may wear off over time. There is increasing research evidence that cognitive behavioral techniques help patients gain back the confidence and function that may be lost due to pain. Over the long term, what the patient does to manage his or her own pain will be more important than what others can do for them. Instilling the concept of the patient's ability to help him or herself is fundamental to the program. Once your patient buys into the concept of managing his or her own pain, 
you will need to gauge how to present the content to the learner. There are a number of factors to take into consideration. Of course, the patient's cultural background will impact his or her pain experience and coping mechanisms. It is important to acknowledge potential differences in coping styles, while at the same time encouraging adoption of positive coping strategies. Also consider your patient's readiness to learn. Think of this in terms of their physical status. Are they wide awake? Comfortable? Positioned appropriately? If the patient uses hearing aids or glasses, make sure that they are on. Consider whether the patient is emotionally ready to learn. People who are in acute distress or who are highly distracted are less able to learn and retain information. Prior knowledge and the educational background of the learner will also affect how much you teach and how you teach it. Some people may want to talk about the stress hormones and underlying pathophysiology of pain. However, for most patients, it is enough to have a simple discussion of the basic pain pathway, the relationships between pain and mood, and the importance of positive social interactions. Be sure that you use simple language and make your instruction as interactive as possible. Ask the patient to provide you with examples of physical, psychological, and social factors that help to calm his or her pain. Encourage questions and try to schedule enough time to address them all. Finally, check to make sure that the environment is conducive to learning. As much as possible, make sure that the room is a comfortable temperature, that distracting background noises are minimized, and that there is sufficient lighting. There are a number of self-management strategies that have been shown to be helpful in reducing pain. We will focus on six. First, patients should understand what pain is. We'll call this pain theory. Next is goal setting and progressively working towards goals. Then we will focus on deep breathing and muscle relaxation and visual imagery techniques. Finally, we will review ways to help patients learn to pace their activities to avoid pain flare-ups. Let's begin with the basics of pain theory. Patients don't need to know the details of neuroanatomy, but a good way to start talking about pain management is to go over the basic pain pathway. Using a body diagram with a schematic of a pain receptor in the foot, show the patient the pathway from the point of injury up through the spinal cord to the brain where the message is perceived as pain. This stimulates a variety of reaction, including pulling the foot away, muscle tension, and maybe an emotional response. For some patients, it may be helpful to talk briefly about the body's stress hormones, which are released in response to an injury. These hormones can be helpful in terms of the healing process, but contribute to emotional tension. It may be helpful here to relate the pain pathway to your patient's specific condition at the initial point of injury or disease. The diagram shows a foot injury, but the same concepts apply to back pain or visceral pain. Even for patients with neuropathic pain, it is helpful to understand the normal genesis of pain. It is also important for patients to distinguish between acute pain like this and persistent or chronic pain. Help them understand that sometimes pain serves as a warning of physical injury, but sometimes pain lasts long after the normal healing period. 
Perhaps the patient has a condition like arthritis that continually irritates pain receptors. This pain isn't a warning of impending injury, but instead reflects ongoing stresses to the body. While there are things that can be done to reduce those stresses, like using a cane or a walker, or strengthening the muscles that support the joint, the pain is likely to persist. In many cases, we don't know why chronic pain happens, but for some people, the pain may never go away completely. Show the patient the pain cycle and review its components, including pain causing muscle tension, but also causing anxiety, anger or sadness, fatigue, and a general decrease in activity. Talk with the patient about how decreasing activity may lead to muscle weakness and decreased flexibility, which may give rise to more pain, possibly more injuries, more muscle tension, and so on. Next, the focus should turn to ways to manage pain. Using the gait control theory is often helpful. Relate the patient's pain to a gate that can swing open to let pain through or closed to stop the flow of pain. Things that cause pain or open the gate are physical injuries, stress, anger, worries. Help the patient think this through. Is his pain worse when he is worried about something? What about pain levels after difficult conversations with neighbors or family? These kinds of challenging emotions increase pain levels, and engaging the patient in discussions of this relationship is very helpful to reinforce the notion of emotional impact on pain. Next, discuss with the patient the sorts of things that he or she does to help decrease pain. Most often, patients think first of physical things they do for pain control, like taking medication, resting, and maybe exercise. Positive physical coping strategies like exercise and self-treatment with heat or cold should be encouraged. Relate your discussion back to the gait diagram and the social and emotional things that increased pain. Relate this to the notion that just as there are physical, social, and psychological things that increase pain, there are physical, social, and psychological things that can decrease pain. Just as negative emotions increase pain, positive ones help to reduce pain. Other things that help to close the pain gate are positive social interactions, relaxation, and focusing on positive thoughts. All of these things will help to make pain more manageable by closing the pain gate. As mentioned before, there are six strategies being taught in this program. Most patients will find two or three strategies more helpful than the others and will use these on an ongoing basis. It is hard to tell which strategies will work best for each individual so providing basic instruction on each strategy is recommended. At the initial session with your patient, it is often helpful to provide an overview of the program elements, mentioning the types of strategies that you will be teaching the patient for pain control. Then finish up by reviewing what you've discussed and check in with the patient to see if there are any questions or concerns about pain theory. Key points to mention include the fact that pain has physical, psychological, and social components. The most effective treatments address all three of these areas. Also stress that medical care provides only part of the solution to the pain problem and the rest is up to the patient. She or he will need to work hard to make the small improvements each day to become more fit, functional, 
and able to enjoy life. This concludes the first session of the Finger Lake Geriatric Education Center's Promoting Pain Self-Management Program. Thank you for listening.